So I'm pleased to invite my sister, Sister Caitlin Cochran. Well, praise the Lord. It is so good to be with you here tonight to my people, my home people. Um, you know, when I was thinking about this opportunity to speak, Pastor said, well, will you be available? I said, well, I'm down with the children, you know, in the morning, so that's a no-go. And what I can do in the evening. He said, okay, let's do it. And then, of course, everything happens during the week that you don't anticipate. And I'm like, of course. Of course, this is how it goes, right? All your best laid plans don't, you know. Um, but the Lord is good, and, and you guys are my favorite people to talk to because I know I've, I've already got a, a winning crowd right here, you know. You're already all in my corner. So it is so good to be here and, and to speak to you guys. And, you know, in, in preparation for this lesson I, I got to be honest, the Lord kept taking me one way, and then I felt like, are you sure that's where you want me to go? And then I realized, no, that was me wanting to go that way, and he was trying to, to get me another way, and I kept going his way, and I said, are you sure this is it? And he said, yes. And so I said, okay, let's go for it. So what are we? We are a Christian apostolic church, and we are growing Apostolic legacy. Go ahead, Sister Tracy. So we're growing, we're alive, nourished, feeding, producing fruit, not just fruits of the Spirit, but we're continuing to grow in all sorts of ways. We're apostolic in doctrine, apostolic in fellowship. I believe firmly in gathering together and breaking bread from house to house or restaurant to restaurant, either way. We're revival and evangelistic minded. I'm so excited that we are always encouraging people, invite someone to church. In Sunday school, we have Sunday school drives. Invite your friends to church. Invite your family members to church. Kingdom minded, missions minded. We've got a great missions program representing the vision and the mind of Christ in the local assembly within and without. And we've got a legacy. We're growing. And we're continuing to build upon it. We have history and we're rooted. And we're not forsaking those roots. We're continuing to nurture those roots. So in that mindset and in that frame of thought, um, I'd like to talk to you tonight about this is the rest. Now it's just us and we probably know everything that I'm about to go into with this lesson. And yet I find that more and more in my life as I look at society and I read the news, and I'll be honest with you, I don't really read a whole lot of serious articles because they're nothing but depressing. Amen? And I honestly, I don't even turn it on, turn on the news because they're nothing but loud. And I get enough loud and depressing news at my work that I don't, I don't need it in the news. Um, and, and yet we're always driven. I, I saw a snippet talking even about consumerism in terms of the snack food industry. Did y'all know that was a growing thing? Snack foods are growing in terms of market strategy and market abilities because the idea of sitting down to three square meals a day or even just one main dinner or whatever is becoming abhorrent to our culture, not just in America, but around the world. Why? Because we got to eat on the go. We got things to do. We got to make it happen. Has anybody ever felt like that? I feel like that particularly when I'm driving 
and there are people going below the speed limit in front of me. <laughs> it's just us. I'm just being real. Right? I got things I need to do, skills I want to learn, jobs I need to complete, things I want to do for fun that I got to rush through my other stuff so I can get to it. And then I got to rush through my fun so that I can get to back to the work. The craziest thing, right? And so this idea of rest, though, our bodies physically need rest. Keep going, Sister Tracy. And, and, and if you look up, I Googled it because I thought, what is, what is Google going to say about it? Or what is the world going to say about why is rest important? And if you just type in, why is rest important? Most of the articles or most of the information you'll get will be based on exercise programs. I don't do that. I'm against that. <laughs> I work out my salvation. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not against exercise. But I don't make the time for it. Notice I don't make the time. But so all of you people who know about it, Brother Joe Costa knows all about this, but I didn't know all about it. But that rest itself was just as important, is just as important as your actual workout routine. Did y'all know that? That in order to really get the benefit of your exercise program, you have to have at a minimum a day of rest between areas that you work. So if you work your arms on Monday, you need to wait at least until Wednesday to do them again. And why do they do that? Because it allows the muscles, the nerves, the bones, the connective tissue time to rebuild and interestingly enough, grow back stronger. This is the rest. And furthermore, inadequate rest may lead to Overtraining syndrome. Did y'all know that was a thing? I didn't. But I tell you what, I feel like I've lived it sometimes. You know? And other harmful side effects, including decreased performance, fatigue, altered hormonal states, poor sleeping patterns, reproductive disorders, decreased immunity, loss of appetite, and mood swings. All because you are not resting. You say, well, that's counterintuitive because if I'm exercising and I'm building the muscle, I should be continuing to build. And it says, no, if you don't give yourself time to rest, then you are not giving your time, yourself time to build. And what's interesting in this article that I read, it said that rest, and, and they differentiated rest from sleep, but they said rest is a part of the regeneration process. And that regeneration process also includes water and food and sometimes supplements. Now you say, that has absolutely nothing to do with Jesus. Oh, yes. Believe it or not, it does. And so if our bodies, in, in my thinking and my going around with the Lord, if our bodies need rest so desperately, even when we're in the process of trying to do good, to our bodies we still need that rest so I can't pour myself out continually at the gym and expect to feel happier and healthier if I'm not resting appropriately how much more do I need rest in my spirit in my soul in my day-to-day and you know, the Lord is so awesome, keep going, Sister Tracy, because he established that pattern right from the beginning. 
Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. He says, And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. And God blessed, spoke good of the seventh day, set it apart as his own, and hallowed it because on it God rested from all his work, which he had created and done. Now that's the establishment of the Sabbath day. And, and what's so interesting about that, go, is that at the bottom? No, it's not seen. I can't see it up there. But at the bottom of your slide there, it's smaller, but it says, and the evening and the morning. And it goes through creation, and the evening and the morning, day one. And the evening and the morning, day two. And the evening and the morning, day three, four, etc. Till we get to seven where we have the rest. And, and you know, that's an interesting turn of phrase that the Lord started with the evening and the morning. And Orthodox Jews picked up on that. They said, ah, this is important. Days begin in the evening. So the Jewish Sabbath every day begins at the evening. Sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday is Sabbath. Their day begins with rest. Now I did a little research on the work week and I did a little research on that trying to figure out when did this actually happen that we had a weekend and we were working and history goes back and guess who were the first people to establish this practice of taking a day off in a seven day period? His people. It wasn't until later that the Romans started doing it, but instead of every seventh day, on the, the eighth day they did it. And it wasn't until the 1900s that it started to become a, an official formal thing in the United States in 1908 when a cotton mill said, you know what, we're going to give our workers, our Jewish workers, off a couple days so that they can do Sabbath and they don't have to work. And it wasn't until about 20 years later that Henry Ford said, you know what, I'm going to shut down my factories and I'm going to have it to where people are just working Monday through Friday. And production went up. He said, forget the 48-hour week. I can get them being as productive or more productive in 40 hours than I can in 48. So this idea of the weekend and having that consistent established rest is a relatively new thing for our society as we know it. And yet the Lord established those parameters back from the beginning. And it was so important to God, and the next slide, you go ahead, that when he started to lay down the Ten Commandments, and he did lay down the Ten Commandments for the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 20, in the first three we know, Thou shalt have no other God before me. I hear the Lord, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Don't have any idols before me. Don't take my name in vain. All of those take one to two verses. And yet the fourth commandment is the only one that takes four verses. All others get only one to two. And it's the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. 
That's four verses, 8, 9, 10, and 11, that God said, I believe and I have established this so sincerely and so truly, and I'm so serious about it. I'm taking my time and explaining to you, you need rest. Now, as we continue on the children of Israel, you know, they didn't fully understand that. And we know that in, throughout their history. In Ezekiel, he says, And I gave them my statutes and showed and made known to them my judgment, which if a man keeps, he must live in and by them. So he was saying, look, if you are going to keep my statutes, say that you believe and do and adhere to what I say, then you've got to live in it and you've got to live by it. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths, my rest. Now notice this. Isn't this interesting? It's not, he didn't even address the physical side of it. He didn't address the spiritual. He said, my rest for you is to be a sign between me and you so that you might understand and realize that I am the Lord who sanctifies you, separates, and sets you apart. So this idea of rest, God said it isn't just about don't do any work on this day. He says this is a, a sign of a contract. It's a covenant between me and you saying I've chosen you and you've chosen me. And why is that idea so revolutionary is because people worked all the time. If you didn't work, you didn't have provision. And so when the Lord said for one day out of the week, Dedicate it to me. Focus on me. Let me be your provision. That's part of the rest. And so we know that, and, and throughout history, and I didn't put all the verses that reference the rest and the Sabbath and what the children of Israel did with it in your slides because it's honestly, it's very depressing. Because they don't keep it. For years and years, they don't keep the Sabbath. Few of them do, and it's a good time, and everything's right, and everything's good. But time and time again, when the Lord sends his prophets, he says, you guys aren't keeping my Sabbath. You aren't keeping my Sabbath. And they go through history again, and he says, look, you've profaned my Sabbath. We have a problem. You keep going against my Sabbath. You're not resting. You're not spending time with me. You're not resting. And so eventually when they were sent into captivity, then it was like the light bulb went on for, for the Jewish nation. They were like, ah, you know all those things that he told us to do and that if we didn't do, we'd go into captivity? Guess what? I think he was on to something there. And so that's when you finally see Jewish or Judaism as a whole start to, to resonate and take point. And yet then they started to swing on the opposite side. And it was so serious. You can't open a light switch. You can't do this. And there are Orthodox Jews today who won't drive on the Sabbath because that's turning on a car. They have light switches or, or things that are activated without you having to touch it because you're not supposed to do the work of flipping the switch. And so it became much more of a legal thing of you are to do nothing on the Sabbath. Which isn't what God intended either. 
And you say, well, how do you know that, Sister Caitlin? Because in Mark chapter 2, verses 27 through 28, when the disciples were taking ears of grain and rubbing them in their hands so that they could eat on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, they're, they're not doing right. They're not keeping the Sabbath. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for who? Man. Not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now, wait a minute, because that doesn't make sense. Because back in Genesis, God established that he rested. Spoiler alert, he didn't need to rest. This is the God who spun creation into existence, who knows all of the stars by name. And long before science said, we are picking up the frequency of music from the heavens, he said, I hear their song and they sing my praise. This is that same God. He didn't need to rest. He established that pattern for me. He established that pattern for all of us. And so he said, you're missing the point of the Sabbath. The point of the Sabbath, the point of rest, is for you to come and rest with me. For you to come and receive from me. To focus on me. And why is that so important? And, and you say, okay, well, that's great, Sister Caitlin, and, and that's wonderful, and okay, rest, great. But what about, what do I do with where I'm at right now? What do I do in the midst of fear? Psalms 46, God is our refuge and strength, mighty and impenetrable to temptation, a very present and well-proved help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains be shaken into the midst of the seas, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling and tumult. Rest. Think about that. Pause and calmly consider. That's a wonderful word, and we know the Psalms are actually songs, and, and that Selah there, or Salah, or however you want to pronounce it, is a cue for the singers to stop singing and just be still for a minute. And so what that stanza of verse says to me, even though your world itself is rocked to its foundations, rest. God is your fortress of impenetrable strength. God is there. He is your refuge. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her right early at the dawn of the morning. The nations raged. The kingdoms tottered and were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, our fortress, and high tower. Rest. You say, well, but things are happening and shaking in the world and I don't understand politics and politicians and this person's wanting to go at war at this one and, and what does that mean for me and where I'm at and I'm just... Rest. God is our provision. Come behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations and wonders in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow into pieces and snaps the spear in two. He burns the chariot in fire. Let be 
and be still and know, recognize, and understand that I am God. So this whole song, people have been singing to the Lord, and he says, now I'm going to take a verse. Rest, I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then people pick it up again. The Lord of hosts is with us. God of Jacob is our refuge, our high tower, and stronghold. Rest. So even throughout the Psalms, when we're facing all of these different circumstances and situations, and you say, well, my life's in upheaval, or the, the environment, or, or the wars, or how am I going to get provision? The Lord said, rest. I've got it. I'm covering it. And, and, you know, and I think, and I work, you know, I love my hyphens, my hyphen nation. And a lot of us are single or, um, you know, looking for a relationship, not in a relationship, not interested, whatever. And yet the question that I hear outside of a lot of our group from other hyphens is, what do you do when you want a relationship and you don't have one? What do you do in the seeking? What do you, how do you handle the process? What do you mean, you know, I, I didn't grow up in this, and so what is my hope of finding or getting? And guess what? God has an answer for that, too, in Isaiah 56. Thus saith the Lord, keep justice, do and use righteousness, conformity to the will of God, which brings salvation. For my salvation is soon to come, and my righteousness, my right, rightness and justice to be revealed. And you say, okay, that's great. I like how this is going. Blessed, happy, and fortunate is the man who does this and the son of man who lays hold of it and binds himself fast to it, who keeps sacred the Sabbath, the rest, so as not to profane it and keeps his hand from doing evil, any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I'm a dry tree. You know what's so awesome about that is that the Lord said, don't think that your bloodline, who your mama is, who your daddy is, is going to separate you from me if you're doing what I ask you to do. You say, well, Sister Caitlin, you got it made in the shame. You know, bishop is your grandpa and pastor is your daddy and your life is just roses and daffodils. <laughs> Y'all are just great. <laughs> I love you so much. If you think that, I hate to burst your bubble, but that's just a lie. Because guess what? God himself said there's no second generation anything. We're all first generation. And we all have to make a conscious decision. And we all have to make a conscious choice to adhere and cling to and bind ourselves fast to those commandments. And so when the Lord says, don't let anybody tell you, and it sounds a lot like John in the New Testament when he says, don't think to yourself to say that we have Abraham as our father. For out of these stones, God can raise up children from Abraham. Sound familiar? And so the Lord says, look, you're a foreigner among me. We are all of us Gentiles. None of us would have had access to this rest. And he says, if you yet follow what I say, thus saith the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath and choose the things which please me and hold firmly to my covenant. To them I will give in my house and within my walls as a memorial a name better 
and more enduring than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. I'm so glad to know my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. And also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the rest so as not to profane it and who holds fast to my covenant by conscientious obedience. All these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer for all people. This isn't just limited to one group of people in Israel. It's for us as well. And what's so amazing and what's so powerful is that the Lord, he doesn't just leave it at rest and, and leave it without description because he says, I want to make it very clear what this rest is. In Isaiah chapter 28, verses 12, 11 and 12, for with stammering lips and with another tongue, he will speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshing you say my wheels are spinning I've got I'm pouring out on my job and I'm pouring out with my family and I'm pouring out with this and I'm pouring out with this and you don't understand my family doesn't serve God and, and they don't understand church and it feels just like one more thing on my list to come to service and one more thing to make myself available yet the Lord says this is the rest wherewith we cause the weary to rest. And what is that rest? Peter said in Acts chapter 2 verses 38 and 39. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Why? Because this promise is not just for back then on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost fell in the upper room and 3,000 joined the church. It's for me. It's for you it's for your children for as many as the Lord our God shall call as a far off thousands of miles away from where it all began this is the rest and I'll tell you it's not easy I'm, I'm going to be honest with you it's not easy for me to sometimes get access to that rest I, I tell my class this every year because every year I do it, and you would think by now I'd have enough sense to not do it, and yet I still do it every year. Because in my job, my busiest season is springtime. And so during that time, I've got a ton of initial evaluations, which all take time, and I've got a ton of reevaluations, which all take time, and I usually also have a ton of snow days, because we're in the hills of Crooksville and they close all the time. And I've got a ton of testing days and oh, Ms. Shostrand, can you take them later because we're working on, no, I cannot, I'm sorry. Which means it's long days, short nights, right? And I have to make sure that my schedule is just right because What's so awesome during that time, too, we also have a lot of things like the marriage conference and many other wonderful things that I'm not, I, I'm not griping about. It is awesome, and it's a great time. 
But guess what? It's also during my busy work time. This is not a good time for me. Right? And inevitably what happens, and this is just me. Maybe y'all don't do this. Maybe it's because I was born in Arkansas that we do this. But this is just me. Because I get to going, and I get to rolling, and I get to not sleeping, and then before I know it, I get to be gnarly, and I'm like, I'm about to lose my mind on all kinds of people. The Holy Ghost itself better rein me in and lock me down, because if that teacher come in here one more time while I'm trying to type this report, I don't know what I'm going to do. Right? That's just me. I'm so glad y'all don't have that. But... That is my deal. And, and then I get to that point and the Lord, it's like he's been trying to nudge me quietly this whole time. And I've been oblivious to him because I'm thinking, okay, and now if I, if I spend an hour on that report and then I, if, depending on how much I get done with that, well, I also need to get done with that one. And if I put, well, no, I'd have to, maybe, you know what, I'll let go of my nap time during Sunday. I need my nap, y'all. If I do, if I do that, maybe if I, if I sleep from like nine to midnight, I can get up and get to work. Y'all, I'm not exaggerating. These are my thoughts. Okay. And inevitably every spring, this is what I go through until I get to the point where it's like the Lord stomps his foot and says, Hey, you need to rest. And you know what? I sit back and I'm like, you know, you're right. I do need to rest. Because I've been sitting in service. And I've been missing a great opportunity to entertain you. Because I've been worried about my five reports on my desk. And then so it's like, you know what I say to myself at that point? I say, okay, you know what, Lord? You just, you're, you gave me this job. The job that I asked him for that he gave me, and that's a testimony in and of itself. You can ask me about it later. I'll tell you. And, and so this is the Lord's job. The job that I dedicated to him, that I listened to the word every morning in, going in. So, you know, you tell me what you need me to do, direct me to the people. By the time I get to work, obviously I've forgotten all of that. Right? You know, I get from my car to the front doors and it's like, we business, you know. And so I get to that point and I'm like, okay, God, you gave me this job. I need some face time with you. You're going to have to help me get it through and get it done and get it done within state timelines, which are not forgiving. And y'all, every year, every single year, he does it. And he does it without me losing my mind. Or my legitimate sleep. And all those weeks that I spend spinning my wheels and worrying about this and worrying about that. and It's like when I suddenly take it off my shoulders and say, you know what? You gave me this, but you're going to have to be the one to carry it. He says, I got you, girl. And then I get to enjoy the rest of my most crazy season. And hey, it's all good. We're going to get it done. And it always does. And it's not because of me spending all my time and all my energy and all my hours. But it's because all my God makes all my ways. Because I've spent some time in rest. Now, I know, I'm sure all of us, are y'all all tired now? I've been talking about rest this whole time. 
Sleep is important for the body. I know it. I get it. I love my sleep. Nap time on a Sunday is just like a little bit of heaven right there. But the Lord said, you know what? You can pour yourself out and spend yourself out and you can feel like sleep is going to be the answer to your problems. And in fact, in the world of psychology, <clears throat> people who are depressed and going through things or have anxiety, do you know what? They, they sleep a lot. That's part of it. Because they're so weighed down by where they are and what they feel that they sleep. Now that's the body's response. And yet I can't tell you the number of times that the Lord has taken my situation. And even when I'm tired, if I say, you know what, I'm, I am tired. But before I lay my head down to rest, because believe it or not, I've slept and woken up still exhausted or even tireder than when I went to bed exhausted. And so he said, before I lay my head down, I just, I want to talk to you for a minute and I want to tell you where I'm at and what I'm going through and how I've been lately. I know you know, but I need to tell it to you because I need some face time with you. And I'm, I'm aware that you're aware and that you have all of these things, but I need to see you. You see me, but I need to see you. And Hebrews said it so perfectly in chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Again, he sets a definite date, a new day, a new today. Every day is a new today. And gives another opportunity of securing that rest. Saying through David, after so long a time, in the words already quoted, Today, if you will hear his voice, and when you hear it, do not harden your hearts. This mention of a rest was not a reference to their entering into Canaan. For if Joshua had given them rest, he, God, would not speak afterward about another day. Why is that? What is he saying? He said, if the promised land, the physical location was enough, you getting your eight hours was enough, you taking some time with a cup of tea and a good book, if that was enough, God would not have made any references to a future time where you were going to need he said, if you set in a little time aside and research says, you know, make time for yourself. If that was enough to satisfy where you were, God wouldn't have an issue. And he wouldn't have mentioned it again. So then there is still awaiting a full and complete Sabbath rest reserved for the true people of God. For he who has once entered God's rest also has ceased from the weariness and pain of human labors, just as God rested from those labors peculiarly his own. Say, how do I get there? What do I do? I feel so burdened. I feel like I, I, I am lonely, and yet I don't have the strength to go and, and be a part of the group. I, and I'm, I'm by myself, and, and, I'm, and I'm searching, and I'm desperate, and yet I just can't seem to get myself out of where I am. The word is, let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently to enter that rest of God to know and experience it for ourselves that no one may fall or perish by the same kind of unbelief and disobedience into which those in the wilderness fell what are you saying i'm saying that the cares of this life and the burdens that we all carry 
are enough to put us down to our knees and not in a sense of worship, but in a sense of heaviness. The extent that we feel like, I can't, I, I have so much to do and, and you don't understand, Bishop. You don't understand what I'm going through. I know it's just a little bit of time and, and I know I'm preaching to the choir. We're all here tonight, but you know, I just, there's so much to do. I could get done in, in that little bit of time and in that hour of, of prayer or in that hour of whatever. You know, I just, I need to, I need to get it done. And he says, if you will push aside all of that diligently, zealously, strive, push your way through your circumstance to get into that rest. This is the rest. This is the refreshing. This is what is going to get us through every situation where we are. It isn't doing more. We can't be enough. We can't do enough. God said, I want you to just lay down what you got and rest with me for a minute. Let me be your provision. What's so interesting about the physical body is it says that the recuperation or the regeneration process requires rest. It also requires water. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. It also requires food. This is the bread that satisfies my hunger. And sometimes supplements are needed. Jesus said, these don't come out except by prayer and fasting. You say, well, all of these are taxing to me. It's an added weight. He said, if you will give me that, when you're done with your rest, you're coming back stronger than you were before. You're coming back better than you were before. I'm so glad I can enter into that rest. Stand with me right now. I don't know where you are in your burdens. I don't know where you are in your situations. I don't know where you are in your struggles. But I do know we're all going through something because I do know that the Lord is taking us deeper into a greater and higher level with Him. And if you need a refreshing tonight, if you need some rest, now is the opportunity to get it. This altar is open. Lord, I thank and praise you that we can come into your presence boldly without fear, without shame, and that you said we can lay down every burden, casting every care upon you, for you freely care for us and are able to carry them all. Father, we come to rest in your presence, to receive from you all that we need, our peace, our strength, our restoration, and to come back stronger than we were before. I know, Father, it doesn't make sense by the earth's standards to lay down our fear and our worry to pick up your strength. And yet we come before you again tonight seeking your rest. This